Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset's Friday News Roundup. Don Harmon from Oak Park was chosen as the new Illinois Senate president. A computer glitch sent 574 names to the State Board of Elections, with 545 people actually getting registered to vote in error. Look, I I don't think we need to be pointing fingers at, at anybody about blame. I think it's just, look, we have to get it right. Joining me this week to break down those stories and more, WBEZ state politics reporter Tony Arnold and WTTW political correspondent Amanda Vinicky. Both Amanda and Tony are Springfield experts, so let's start off with the news that Oak Park Democrat Don Harmon is the new Senate president. Choosing a new leader, especially among your peers, is a leap of faith. I stand before you humbled by your confidence. I want to assure my colleagues on both sides of the aisle that my door will always be open. Okay, Amanda, walk us through this. How did he win the post? So he describes being elected by a body of peers as a leap of faith. I think you could also describe it as a social rat's nest. Um, so keep in mind that this is not the same as an election where you're you know, going door to door and appealing to voters, many of whom you are unlikely to ever encounter again. This is a body where they're working with one another constantly and have. So they're coming in with alliances that, yes, of course, are political in nature, but also social Mm -hmm. friends or maybe just sort of chips on the shoulder about a a past wrong or what have you. And that certainly did play into things. You had um, Harmon has really been gunning for this job for quite some time. He had actually tried to get this position when his predecessor, John Cullerton, was ultimately chosen for it more than a decade ago. And so he, he's been out there. Everybody knew he he wanted it. But also the other top candidate was a woman from Maywood, a Democrat named Kimberly Lightford, who has more seniority in the Senate and has really made a name for herself in being a key negotiator of legislation, particularly in the education arena and the minimum wage increase. And I want to get to more about why she didn't mm-hmm. win the post yeah, in a minute. Yeah, I was going to say, that's interesting. Yeah, uh-huh. but Tony, first tell us a little bit more about Don Harmon. He represents Illinois' 39th district. That's Oak Park. Um, and Harmon, I'd say his uh, his politics align with what you would think of um, of, uh, of Oak Park. Uh, it's, it's, he's known for being pretty liberal. As Amanda said, he's been around for a while now in Springfield. He's, uh, I looked him up 17 years now. I know he's carried a lot of the big legislation. He's negotiated that. Um, I think he has a reputation for, I describe him as being pretty fair, but also so having sharp elbows. Mm. I think that that comes through sometimes he's uh, been given the gavel to some some powerful committees in the past where he's not been afraid to scold someone um, who's been maybe uh, stepping out of line or breaking decorum for what's the typical norm in those committees Um, and so uh, he's approachable though he has a a, I think a a pretty good relationship with the press and and Um, what about his relationship with Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan and and Governor J.B. Pritzker Amanda any idea about how he works with those two you know I I think we're in a sort of new territory here of what that relationship will look like given what his his sort of raining down from the feds on Springfield Mm -hmm. and 
clearly in the Capitol, if you've been around, again, 17 years, as Tony noted, as Harmon has, he's going to know Madigan. That said, it is not uh, um, the perception that, you know, everybody in the Capitol needs to get Madigan's blessing for everything. The, the Senate is a different chamber. They operate on their own time. He has been wanting this job. Harmon has been worried about and dealing with that apparatus versus Madigan. That said, Harmon is very much a member of the Democratic, quote unquote, machine in the sense that he's part of the Cook County Democratic Party. And so, so yes, they they know one another. Madigan sent a statement that said that um, he will sure that they'll have a great working relationship. Pointedly, I think Madigan referred to him as Senator Harmon versus President Harmon. Um, so I, I don't know if that was an intentional slight or what to make of that. But I don't believe that they are, per se, tight friends. That said, the governor and Harmon do go back some years. There's a group of Democrats that sort of came up together that wanted to make progressive change before that became the the vogue word that it is today in politics, at least in Democratic politics. And so they do go back sometime. But what we're hearing, while the governor, from a public point of view, said, I don't have a favorite in this race. I'm staying out of it. It certainly was made clear that there were people high up in his administration that wanted Lightford to get the job instead. So there might be some tensions. And, and let's talk about this. Senator Kimberly Lightford of Mayford, she, it really came down to the, the two, uh, Maywood rather, it, it came down to the two of them, Harmon and Lightford. She would have been the first African-American woman in that post. So I mean, what happened? I did go down to Springfield for Sunday, and going in, it wasn't really clear, I think, each of the candidates, from what I hear, thought that they had the advantage. They needed to secure 30 votes from within the block of Senate Democrats who control the chamber, and neither had that many. But they took a secret ballot, and Harmon came out ahead on that secret ballot. And from what I hear, that really did change the dynamic. While it wasn't like it was all that lopsided, it was enough that they negotiated and Carmen and Lightford went behind closed doors and kind of figured things out from there. She will retain her leadership position. So that is significant. She'll be in power. But what has kind of caught headlines is what happened afterward, where she did um, on the floor right before that speech that we heard from Harmon, she nominated him. They hugged. It was a show of public faith and public goodwill. And I do think that their relationship seems to be intact. But Lightford then told a couple of reporters that she blamed um, Lightford is black, as you noted, would have been the first woman to have been Senate president first black woman to have been any legislative leader and certainly would have been historic. And that that's important. I think we're watching that play out some even on the presidential stage. You know, what do all of these gender and racial politics mean in terms of who who rises, particularly at a party that places that as a top priority? Um, but she went and she said, actually, it was another senator, Emil Jones, who um, was carrying a grudge against her for having backed Cullerton, like I said, more than a decade prior, instead of a, another black senator who had at the time been trying for the job. So it really did get nasty. And I, I think that is going that shows the difficulty that Harmon is going to have. Yes, Democrats, I think, have to bear a lot of responsibility for whatever happens with the state. They have control of super majorities in the General Assembly and the governor's office. They control everything. But it's not as if they all get along on everything, and, and that is evidenced by this very public feud. Well, and we also have to talk about the fact that this this shift 
and leadership is happening in the midst of a widespread federal corruption probe across the state. Tony, what kind of impact does that have on on how things feel in Springfield? You've got a new leader in the Senate, but there's all <laughs> we don't even know how far it goes. This federal corruption uh, investigation. Well, I, you know, just to take a, a couple steps back in the conversation, I think while we're talking about who the Senate president is and and the machinery of of picking that person. Ultimately, I'm not sure that the, there's going to be a big difference in what bills end up passing because of who's sitting that in that chair. And I, I think that this investigation that's being conducted right now that's just encompassing so much and has already resulted in two lawmakers, um, if, I, if I have that right, two have resigned, and then more, even more that we know of are in trouble. I think that's going to overshadow and also consume a lot of time in the next few months when legislators are trying to pass their own bills and get things done for people. Ultimately, they they still have to be accountable to to the public about, are we doing things on the up and up here or not? Um, We all know the reputation that they have there, that that it's it's been deserved for for many years now as for how many people have been caught getting in trouble. So I, I think Harmon in this new role is he's taking steps already um and he, as he told Amanda this week to address his own personal job outside of the legislature he's he's stepping down from his law firm we should mention that yeah i mean that that's really significant so um Herman yeah. did an interview on our program Chicago tonight on WTTW that was when he went public to say that he was leaving behind his job yes his partner at a law firm a law firm that by the way, has a lot of contracts or bids on them with government entities, be and it municipalities clear, and state agencies. He was careful to say that he's never had a conflict of interest, but this was more about having enough time to fulfill his responsibilities as yeah, Senate president. that was certainly interesting how he phrased that. He has said previously, anyway, that he never made money off of any of those government contracts, that he wasn't part of that, that that was left to others in the firm. But certainly people are suspicious. Well, how does that look like? And what might it look like for a firm to be bidding and getting contracts from public entities when, oh, wait, everybody knows it's public knowledge that the president of the state Senate, a powerful position, is there. That's part of this rub. It's not uh, that's where we'll be watching to see what the feds, if anything, have. It's not illegal for legislators to do that. It just there, there might be real conflicts of interest. But at the very least, there is that public perception and the notion that people are going to be more likely to go to a law firm that has one of those high profile names. So yes, Harmon said that he was doing this as a sheer matter of time. Um, I Frankly, I, I constantly wonder how <laughs> some of these legislators have enough time to hold powerful jobs in uh, hold down both. So I will say that there's likely some truth to that. But it also is probably um, a smart move for him to have not, you know, cast fingers on many of the other legislators who are holding down second positions. And he said, you know, we do have a citizen. It's a part time legislature. But this is going to be something that bubbles up. It was a shrewd move on his part politically. But as the General Assembly this year is tasked with passing some sort of ethics legislation, this is going to be a biggie. Well, and is that going to show up? The legislative session kicks off next week. Tony, is is that top of mind for Springfield right now? It's it's not only top of mind. It's the, it's the it's the issue for what what's going to be talked about um, and accomplished this in the next few months. I, I think this is setting a, a big example that that Harmon's leaving his firm and, and costing himself I don't know how much money by not being a lawyer anymore. Um, so I, I think that that sends a, a very powerful message and. It puts him in this position now where you're looking across the aisle at the House Speaker, Michael Madigan, who um, 
you know, he's, A2? <laughs> he's got his own law firm. His name's in the in the title of his law firm. And I don't think he's going to be leaving that, that one anytime soon, no matter what kind of scandals are going on. But look, when you're looking at what the high profile issues are of this year in Springfield, I, I think ethics is going to be the top thing. The legislature probably is not going to look like it does right now. Uh, by the end of session, uh, because of all the charges that may or may not be coming, but but at the very least, we have um, another state senator who's who's been indicted. His trial is slated for uh, the summer. We have another state senator who um, wore a wire on a state representative. That person's still there. So uh, you look, you know, this is going to be the issue at a time when. Frankly, all Governor Pritzker is going to want to do is get his graduated income tax passed on the uh, to change the Constitution in the fall. You're listening to the Friday News Roundup here on Reset when we break down some of the week's top stories. Our panel today, WBEZ's Tony Arnold and Amanda Vinicky of WTTW. Some other stories we're watching today. U.S. health officials say they've diagnosed a second patient with the China coronavirus after a Chicago woman returned from Wuhan after the infection. Officials are currently monitoring 63 other potential cases in 22 states. The patient, a woman in her 60s, is reportedly doing well and is in stable condition. She remains isolated in a hospital as a precaution. And Chicago police will no longer use a high-tech program that predicted who might be a victim or perpetrator of a gun crime. Civil rights activists warned it unfairly targeted minority communities, and a watchdog group flagged some serious flaws in the algorithm. Well, as we mentioned, former Senate President John Cullerton resigned from Illinois' 6th Senate District this week. Lawmakers unanimously chose longtime State Representative Sarah Feigenholtz as his replacement. Amanda, tell us about her. Sarah Feigenholtz is somebody who has long considered Cullerton a mentor. And so I'm sure that this has some personal significance for her. She's well known. She's been in the General Assembly for decades and yet has sort of stepped away um, from leadership positions in the House, which is seen as a bit of a shunning, perhaps by Madigan on her and vice versa. And so this is clearly a step that she was wanting to get out of there and into a new chamber. She is, again, seen as sort of the characteristic of the, the district representing beliefs that are popular in her district there on the north side. And so um, and she'll yeah. have to run in, in the November election to retain the seat until 2023. She will. And that said, it seems like she'll have a fairly clear path. The bigger question is going to be in sort of all of these dominoes is you have legislators resigning, being appointed, moved for other positions, who will get the position to temporarily take her place in the House, and then whether that will be an individual who also is running for that House seat in the next election, and if, in fact, someone is appointed that is in the running, whether they will have an advantage. That's going to be the big competitive race. Well, we've been talking about the federal corruption probe and this week, some more news broke. Oakbrook Terrace Mayor Tony Ragucci resigned his office this week, and he was recently linked to a federal corruption probe into SafeSpeed. That's a company that operates red light cameras. Tony, just remind us, these, these red light cameras, what they do and why it's become a problem. Well, look, no, uh, nobody's been charged. <laughs> but we know that the feds are looking at SafeSpeed and several of the suburbs where SafeSpeed has red light cameras, and there's been all sorts of reports about well, how'd they pick which intersections these these cameras are going at? Are they picking the most dangerous ones? No? Oh, okay. This is one suburb that we know SafeSpeed has cameras at that's being looked at. Lyons is another one. 
this resignation is not a total surprise. It's probably the first of, of many dominoes to fall. And we should mention Illinois Comptroller Susanna Mendoza announced earlier this month that her office is they're not collecting fines for red light camera violations um, because of this federal probe into safe speed. Amanda, go ahead. Well, kind of because of the federal probe. It's also this same notion when you look at, for example, city tickets and licensing mm-hmm. that it more disadvantages the poor who can't afford to pay those tickets and then the repercussions that that has. So I think that was also a role in Mendoza's situation. And this is a practice that ended in Chicago some time ago, but now she's just extended it to the suburbs. Right. And I think what really is key in this safe speed situation is that people hate these red light cameras anyway. (laughs) Um, And so this sort of epitomizes everything that people are like, "Ugh, I don't trust government. I don't trust what's going on there. Somebody's making money off of it. And I hated these things in the first place. I mean, every time you see one of them now, it's sort of this literally red blinking (laughs) reminder Mm -hmm. of all that people think is wrong with Illinois politics. Well, I want to turn to another story out of Springfield. Governor Pritzker is calling for an investigation into the state's automatic voter registration system. This comes after more than 500 non-citizens were mistakenly registered to vote. Amanda, can you tell us what happened here? Kind of, yeah. I mean, because it seems like such a mess. I can tell you what I've heard happened. Um, And what that is, is evidently people were applying for non-real ID driver's licenses or state identification cards. You're asked to fill out a form with a checked a box that said, I am not a citizen. And while the program should have automatically said, okay, you're not going to be then part of the automatic voter registration system, they were put into it. And that then gets forwarded to local authorities. So not quite everybody, but still you had more than 500 individuals that marked themselves as non-citizens get sent voter registration cards. And then some did actually use that to vote. Some 16 individuals, I believe, is what it is. Interestingly, now we have learned that some of these people, whether it was an error on their part or what happened, are now citizens. So it could be all these people were legally in the country. So it might have been a mistake on their part or they were going through the process and now they are. It's it's really unclear. And I think that is the takeaway that has sort of in this ground where there are people um, in particular, either partisan conflicts and distrust, um, conspiracy theories everywhere. And now a real theory of something going wrong with voter registration that people think will somehow skew the results. And so it, again, it is really bad timing, looks bad. And the Secretary of State's office didn't come out publicly with this. Once they rec- it, This went on in 2018 and 2019 is when people were voting. The error wasn't recognized until December by the Secretary of State's office and just really became known publicly from my understanding, I think due to re- reporting and to do local clerks then making word of this well, until and lo- now. And lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are, are asking for answers. Uh, Governor Pritzker on Wednesday said he didn't want to point fingers. Uh, let's listen. I think that it's appropriate, again, for transparency, for getting all the information so we know what went wrong. Look, I, I don't think we need to be pointing fingers at, at anybody about blame. I think it's just, look, we have to get it right. You know, Tony, some Republicans are calling for a temporary suspension of the automatic voter registration system. But what kind of impact do you think this could have on elections going forward? If you're looking at what's going on in the March primary here, it's the next election. You know, there might be a, a couple races where it's it, it's going to be close on the primary side. And so, you you know, they, they, they want to make sure that give people some confidence here that it's not if it's down to two or three votes, one race, that, that it's going to be... Uh, 
legitimate. And so they have some uh, some work to do to make sure that people have confidence that when they're voting and they see the the tallies, which everybody wants the answers right now, who won, um, that, that those are accurate. Well, Governor Pritzker is scheduled to deliver his second State of the State address next week. He had uh, sort of this incredible first year where he passed tons of legislation. What is he going to try to tackle in his second year? We know he's angling for the graduated income tax. Amanda, what else are you watching for him to talk about in this speech? So the graduated income tax, for one, I don't know. I I assume that he will be having to build a lot of both his state of the state and budget address on trying to make the case for that. He also in recent days has been talking about expanding home visits. So to families that are eligible, so mostly, you know, low income, having people come to their homes and help and really getting out in front with intervention and services in a stage where it can truly make a difference. He's talked about that. So I bet we'll hear more of that come state of the state. Um, A lot of the big questions that are sort of seared in my mind, we likely won't get until budget time. And that is, what is he going to do in this time, while we're waiting on an answer to the graduated income tax, he was able to get it done the first year. But I think all of these ethical matters are making things more difficult for him. Um, I know in I was able to interview him for a year end wrap up. And he said that an idea that, frankly, members of both parties weren't too thrilled with last year in terms of really putting off a portion of the state's pension payment is still on the table for this year. And so we're going to be waiting to hear what he says about that. But you're not going to have, presumably, all of these high-profile items that he was able to get the first time around. Antonio, your thoughts? Well, I I know I've heard him talk about uh, finding ways to reduce the prison population, and uh, I expect that to be a highlight of of his State of the State address or budget address, maybe both. And then um, I'm sure he'll be doing some advertising for his graduated income tax (laughs) as well. Uh, while he has the microphone, the other thing I, I, I'm watching. Besides, we've talked so much about ethics already, um, and it's still really up in the air what they're going to do. Because honestly, changing some registration about some paperwork that lobbyists have to fill out is not going to address the problem that that's going on here. So that's still up in the air. I don't. I, I'm waiting to see what if Pritzker wants to stake out a position here. But the other thing I'm I'm really watching for is what ComEd wants from the legislature. Um, it's it seems like their parent company Exelon wants some more help for its struggling nuclear power plants downstate. Um, I don't know if anybody wants to take a meeting right now with somebody from ComEd, um, given how much trouble they're in. So that's something else that I don't know if Prisker will address, but it's a big issue that's out there. Well, that's it for the Friday News Roundup. Thanks to WBEZ state politics reporter Tony Arnold and WTTW political correspondent Amanda Vecchi. Thank you. Happy weekend, Jen. And that's today's Reset. Watch your feed for the Sunday podcast. We'll talk about the history of the Chinese food scene in Chicago as Lunar New Year festivities kick off this weekend. Until then, I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. And let's talk again soon.